morning. You can open up to Revelation chapter 10. Read the whole chapter and then we're going to kind of focus on the first seven verses. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun, his legs like pillars of fire. And he had a little scroll open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he called out with a loud voice, like a lion, roaring. And when he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, and the earth and what is in it, and the sea and all that is in it, that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went out. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll, and he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Why don't we pray together one more time before we... Father, um, we just need your help. This is a, a more difficult book to go through, and we need help. We pray that you'd be here with us, give clarity, give help, and we're just looking to you. You said that that we're blessed if we read and hear and keep this the book that you've given us, and so we're asking, please have mercy on us. Please bless us just like you said. We're trusting that you will. Amen. All right, to start by way of introduction, I'm going to say something that I say a lot probably, but it's really significant and something that I really think about and I really want in our life as a church, but in my life as an individual as well, is for us to be, the way you could just say it is biblical, (laughs) just to be biblical, to actually be biblical. And what I mean by that is just whatever the Bible says, we just believe it. And another piece of it that's hard to do is to things that are big in the Bible, that we treat those things as big. And it seems like we really struggle with that as human beings, that we have our own little things and, and we want to focus on them. And it's so hard to sometimes see that we're making a little thing a big thing or vice versa, we're making a big thing a little thing. But one way that we can correct that is just being in the Bible. Uh, preaching through books of the Bible, things that come up a lot, things that the Bible emphasizes that we don't. And I don't know about you, but as I read through the Scriptures, there's so many times that I'm just surprised at the things that are said, about how often they're said, and about how they're said. And it just it's helpful that the Bible's there to constantly correct us and help us and guide us. But we really 
it's a constant battle to really stick close to the scriptures. I'll give you a couple examples here. This is not what we're going to talk about today, but other examples. There are things that the Bible has a lot to say about, but we focus on maybe other things. And it can really affect our life in a big way. I'll give you one example here. Emotions. Emotions are a big part of a, of the human life, right? Anybody have emotions each day? <laughs> right? And we have to work through that. And especially when they're difficult emotions. And I think I've shared this before, but I, I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon on a theology of emotions. How do we as Christians handle emotions? On the other hand, I've, I've, you know, I have friends that are part of, you know, churches that want to be biblical that have a really, really bad theology of emotions. And that really hurts them in the day to day. I'll give you one example. I had a friend who basically was telling me, if I'm discouraged, my, basically my church's teaching is that's because you're in sin. You should be encouraged all the time. You shouldn't be feeling sad. You shouldn't be feeling down. You shouldn't be feeling these bad emotions. Think about how that would affect your life. If you really believe that, that would be really hard. And so we could do that in lots of areas. And that's obviously not true. Um, you know, there's many examples throughout the scriptures of people feeling down, right? Um, David ends one of his prayers. God, turn your face away from me so I can smile before I die. Amen. I mean, that's pretty discouraged, right? And he's writing scripture at that time. And so the reality is, is if David can pray that, then in if somebody prays that here, we should not be like, oh, wow, what a sinner, you know, something like that. This is just one example. Now, that's in the negative side. Today, we're going to focus on something on the positive side of this idea of making the big things big and keeping what the Bible has to say clear in our minds. And on the positive side, there can be little things that we're missing that would change our life dramatically in the day to day that the Bible's really clear on. Uh, a positive example might be something like worship or thankfulness. The Bible has a lot to say about worship and thankfulness. A lot. And imagine if we went through our life knowing a, you know, a lot about a lot of the Scripture, and yet we weren't thankful. We weren't worshiping God. How much does it lift your spirit each day to just... Reflect on the things you can be thankful for and in prayer thank God for things and worship God for who He is and what He's done. It's huge. Okay, but today we're not talking about any of that. This is all just to set it up. I'm hoping that today, I'm just trying to get you interested. Today I'm going to talk about something that I, I it's possible that I've heard a sermon on it but I forgot. But in my mind, this isn't like a big thing in, you know, American evangelicalism, but I think it's actually a really, really big thing in our lives. And that's a good thing, right? If there's something that is a really big deal in the Bible and it really affects our day-to-day life and we haven't thought much about it, when we align ourselves with what the Bible says, it can really affect our lives. So I'm hoping that today will be a help to you, something you can that we can do that in. All right, are you ready? This is what we're going to talk about today. And it's, I think you'll see it in this, I hope you'll see it in this passage Waiting. Waiting. Waiting on God. This is all over the Bible. I'll just read you a couple of verses here. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. 
Be strong, let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be shaken. Over and over, the Bible talks about waiting on God, and it describes the people of God as those who are waiting on him, hoping in his appearing. That waiting on God is a big deal. And where it's at in this passage, you know, the word waiting does not come up in this passage. But we've gone through the seven seals, and now we're in the seven trumpets. And in between both, between six and seven, there's this break. There's a period of waiting. And since the seven, the seventh is always the new creation, everything being renewed, you can see the, what's going on here. It's saying, here's all these things that are going to take place. And then there's going to be the seventh where everything's put right. But there's always a break. There's a chapter in between where other things are going on. And, and we, in the last, um, in the seals, it was, talking about the 144,000 and they're asking how long, you know, when is this, when, when is everything going to be put right? And, and God says, wait, there's still more, you know, just wait a little, little while longer. And then here we get to the sixth trumpet and then there's this period of waiting. There's these other things going on. There's these seven thunders. There's this trump. There's this, um, small scroll that he has to eat and he has to proclaim, but he says, Specifically, right here in the middle of this, uh, verse 6, he talks about when the last trumpet sounds, there's going to be no more delay. That's the end of verse 6, and then 7 says, But in that day, the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God will be fulfilled. So there's a delay, but in the middle of the delay, he's saying, when it's time, there's not going to be a delay. The seventh trumpet is going to sound, everything's going to be put right. Um, And so... But what do we do here? There is this delay, right? There's going to be no more delay when the time is right. But for now, there's some waiting. And this is actually true in our life a lot. I mean, there's a lot of waiting for God. And how do we, what do we do? What's our theology of waiting? And we're going to look at that here. And we're going to jump around a little bit, but. Before we jump into kind of what it's specifically talking about, just imagine this. Um, imagine if, like we said, you got you're really leaning on the Bible, you're wanting to be biblical, but you had a really bad theology of waiting. Anytime there was a delay, you just you 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 didn't have faith. You were impatient. You were anxious. Oh, when is this going to happen? It. Imagine if waiting was really hard for you. Life would be hard. <laughs> There's a lot of waiting in life in a lot of areas, right? How many of you guys wanted to be married and then you had to wait? <laughs> Everybody, right? Hopefully. <laughs> um, you know, very rarely do you propose and you're married that same day, right? Um, almost never, I would guess. I doubt there's anybody in here. The reality is, over and over in our life, there's periods of waiting. God is working on a time scale so much bigger than ours as well. That's not just in things in our own personal life, but think about 
things and the picture of the whole universe, right? Like God's plan for history. There's a lot of waiting going on. So here's... It's really important that we think about this. Uh, I think it's a big deal. So the first thing I want to say is when we think of waiting, we almost think of passive. But one thing we really see from this passage is, and the rest of the Bible is that waiting is active. Waiting is active. The Bible's idea of waiting is an active thing. You're looking forward to something and you're actively waiting. It actually takes purpose and strength and intention to wait on God. Waiting does not mean doing nothing. Okay? I'll give you a couple verses here and then we'll look at Revelation 10. Well, maybe let's look at Revelation 10 first. So here's this waiting period between the sixth and the seventh trumpet and God saying, you know, there's not going to be a delay when the time is right. It's all, everything's going to be put right. And yet, there is a, a delay. There is this long delay between the sixth and the seventh trumpet. And what, what happens? Well, he gets instructions. You know, go take the scroll, eat it, and symbolically he's saying, you, you gotta prophesy to the nations. This is very similar to the, the period between the sixth and the seventh seal where there's more people to be saved. How are people saved? Through the proclamation of truth, right? Through prophecy, uh, in the sense of speaking truth, uh, speaking the truth of God. And so they're, they're pretty closely connected just with different sides of the same coin. But the reality is he's got something to be doing in this period where there's a, where there's a delay. And that is sharing the gospel, right? Um, prophesying, sharing the truth of God's word. And so there's a period of waiting and yet it's active waiting. Another good example of this, this is a classic one that always comes to my mind when I think of waiting. Um, and I'll tell you why here. I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. In Exodus 14, they're standing, getting ready to... There's the sea right in front of them. And then behind them is the Egyptians. And it's like, what are we going to do here? This is what Moses said. They're trapped. Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. That sounds like waiting there, you know, just wait. God's going to do it. But then listen to the second part. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. <laughs> Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. So there's a sense where Moses says, wait on God, be silent. He's going to deliver you. And then God says to Moses, why are you calling out to me? Do what I already told you to do. <laughs> Go forward. And so, two things, I guess, to start. Waiting is active. Um, but it doesn't mean we don't do anything. When we think of waiting, it might be, you might get the sense of passivity. We're not doing anything in the time we're waiting. No. We're doing whatever it is God has given us to do in the meantime, while we're waiting. In this passage, uh, with Moses, it was lead the people out. You know, God already told him to do that. I already told you. You know, you need to be. You're leading the people. Go, stretch out your your staff and 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 uh, divide the sea and go forward. Lead the people. Uh, you don't need to pray about things God's already told you to do. In the sense of Revelation 10, the thing he needs to be doing while he's waiting is sharing the gospel, uh, sharing the word of God, prophesying, 
Waiting is active. Waiting doesn't mean doing nothing. It means doing all that God wants you to do in the meantime. Waiting is doing all that God wants you to do in the meantime. Jesus' parables, uh, we could go over this. this would, we could probably spend the whole time doing this, but I won't. Listen to some of these. I'm just going to read you a couple verses. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes home, when he comes and knocks. Think about all the parables of Jesus where, you know, the, the parable of the, um, the, the wedding feast and they have the, the lampstands. There's the ladies with the lampstands, the lamps, and some of them have oil and some of them don't. They're supposed to be waiting for the bride, groom, to come through. And some of them didn't have enough oil. It's kind of this picture of active waiting, right? It's like, if you're, you're wait, you're supposed to be waiting right here with your lamps burning. You better be active. You better get some oil. You better be actively waiting <laughs> and not passively waiting. Think, when you think of waiting, you probably don't think, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning like men who are waiting. <laughs> that's a, that sounds very active. Dressed for action. It specifically says, dress for action. That's how we're supposed to be waiting. Like servants who are waiting on their master. And so what are the, what should the servants be doing while they're waiting? Whatever their master told them they're supposed to be doing. They're not supposed to be passive. They're supposed to be doing whatever God has them to do while they're waiting. And so that's the same for us. Waiting is active. I'll give you another example. Imagine you're a soldier. Okay? And you're out in battle. Very stressful. Extremely stressful. Uh, it makes me think of this story that Truman, Harry Truman tells about his time in World War I. There, he was in an artillery unit and he, they're supposed to be moving and they, they get stuck and he just lost it. Like, it just, we're supposed to be moving and we can't, we're stuck. And he said that the way he described it was he prayed and pleaded to God with tears and then he cursed at God. He did everything he could possibly do because he, he was just, they had to move. And he, um, it was really out of character if you read, you know, Truman's bi- biography. He's very kind of a mellow person. Um, but imagine you're in a situation like that, um, where here you are in the midst of a battle. But imagine that what you're told is wait, wait here. Well, we're out of supplies. Wait and we'll bring you supplies. That would be hard <laughs> to hold your ground and to wait for supplies. That's active waiting, isn't it? And there's times like that in the Christian life for us, right? Where God just says, do what you're supposed to do. God, I need this. I need help here. I need, I need deliverance here. I need you to help me with this and with that. And it's hard to just keep doing the things God has told you to do while you're waiting on things to go to happen. And it's stressful. And we are. We're soldiers waiting for supplies. Or what if it, what if you're a soldier and you're in the midst of a battle? There's, you know, bombs going off. You're, you're right in the middle between maybe, you know, your army behind and the enemy ahead and, and the, the instructions are wait for instructions. <laughs> wait right there. Sometimes that's where we are in the Christian life, isn't it? It's like, God, I don't know what to do here. And we just do what we need to, we need, we know we need to do and we have to wait for guidance. That's not easy, is it? I'd rather have the guidance as fast as we can, but there's times where we wait. We wait. We do whatever we need to do, but waiting isn't passive. It's active.
I'll give you one more illustration of that later, but we'll move on to the next thing. Waiting requires an acknowledgement that we aren't in control. Waiting requires an acknowledgement we're not in control. I think wonder if this is part of the reason why waiting is so hard for us. We want to be in control, right? I want to go on to the next thing. I want this thing to be fixed. I want to be in control. But there's a lot of things where we're not in control, right? There's things in your life where you are not in control. And you're a lot of times in those moments are the moments when you're forced to wait, right? We're not in control. There are things that we can't do and things that we aren't in control of. And we will never, ever, even in eternity, have absolute control over our lives. Which means there's going to be periods of waiting. You're never going to be even fully in control of your own day, let alone your all of your life. I was thinking about this as I was preparing and sometimes with my kids I get frustrated and a lot of times it's when I'm waiting. And kids do things differently than adults, right? So when you go to the bathroom sometimes, you probably don't bend over and pretend to wash your hands on the floor and then do that for two or three minutes and then actually go wash your hands. Like a practice you know, of washing your hands in your mind. Or sing songs, or you know, um, go and open every drawer just to make sure what's in there, you know, things like that. And it's like, it's not wrong for kids to do that, but for me, I start getting frustrated, I start getting anxious, and why? I'm not in control. I want you to do it exactly the way I want you to do it. Is there anything wrong with pretending to wash your hands and then actually wash your hands? Not really. No. The reality is. What's going on in my heart there is I want to be in control, full in control. I want not only you to do what I want you to do, I want you to do it the way I want you to do it and the time I want you to do it. And that's not right. And that's wrong <laughs> in my own heart um, to get frustrated in, in those moments. Um, but there's other things that are more serious. Now. That's kind of a silly example. But think about this. What about our kids to be saved. Can I force my child to be saved? Can I force God to do it? I'm not in control. God is in control. And I have to wait. I have to pray. And I can do all that I know to do, which is, like we said in the first point, like do whatever God has me to do, has asked me to do. So that's shepherd my kids, teach them the way that they should go so that uh, when they're grown, they might not depart from it. When we sit down and when we rise, I do. I can do all that. And still, I'm not in control. I can't force things to happen that are in God's control. And so I have to wait. There's a lot of things like that. Uh, we Health things. Job things. Marriage things. Weather, right? We, we can't make it rain. We can't make it cool off like we hope it will in September. Politics. I can't will the U.S. to be different. I've got to wait. But as we're waiting, it requires this acknowledgement that we're not in control. But then that brings up a question. Who is in control? Ultimately. This is something we've talked about over and over. We, we are waiting with confidence. We're not just waiting 
because we're not in control, but we're waiting with confidence because we know who is in control. Who are we waiting for? And this is really clear here in Revelation 10. It says, and he, the angel who's doing these things uh, swore by him who lives forever and who created heaven and what is in it and the earth and what is in it and the sea and what is in it. That's the God who's in control. And if God wants there to be a delay, if God knows when things need to be done and when the seventh trumpet needs to sound, it's going to sound. And when it's time for you to get married, you're going to get married. And when it's time for you to get feel better, you're going to feel better. And when it's time for your baby to be born, it's going to be born. And when it's time for you to get a different job, you're going to get a different, get a different job. When it's time to rain, it's going to rain. And when it's time for our kids to be saved, they're going to be saved. And when it's time for the politics to be different, it's going to be different. And it doesn't mean we're passive. It doesn't mean we don't do all the things we need to do because God's ultimately in control. It means while we're doing everything we know and we ought to be doing, we trust, we wait with confidence that God is in control and that He's good. We can't control when Christ will return, right? We want Christ to return. But I know that the One who is forever and ever and created heaven and what is in it and earth and what is in it and the sea and what is in it, that like Andy was talking about, that is the you know the Lord of hosts, I can trust. That the mystery is going to be fulfilled just as He announced to His servants. God's going to do exactly what He said. So waiting, it requires an acknowledgement that we're in control, that we aren't in control, and that God is in control. We're dependent, but we wait with confidence. But we can have one thing that can help us get through it is waiting. This is the next thing. Waiting won't last forever. We're not going to have to wait forever. And that's what he says here in Revelation 10 that we already talked about. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever, that we just read, who created heaven and what is in it, and the earth and what is in it. This is verse 6. And the sea and, that, and what is in it, that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet called to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants and his prophets. God's going to do exactly what he announced. Waiting is not going to last forever. This is very similar to what we read between the sixth and the seventh seal where the, you know, the 144,000 are going to be saved. Then they were each given a white robe and to- told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Again, yes, wait, but it's not going to last forever. Wait until they're all sealed. Wait until, you know, the prophecy, you know, prophecy, the truth of the gospel goes out to all nations. Languages, that's what he says there at the end. You must prophesy about these nations and languages and kings. Waiting isn't going to last forever. Uh, that can be helped to us. Doesn't God's going to do what he said he was going to do? That leads us into our next thing. God is doing things that we don't know about. Or we could say it more specifically, there are things we don't know. And in that, we can trust God. God is doing things we don't know about. Think about this whole chapter, the angel and the little scroll. And he's got a rainbow over his head. And then there's these seven thunders. And he was about to write what they said. But then he was told in verse 4, seal up this, what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. So... We could speculate on what they are, but it seems kind of futile because 
We're not supposed to know. He said, don't write it down. What can we take from that? Well, I think all this is painting a picture of, well, one, there's things going on that we don't know about. He's seeing into these heavenly realities. There's, there really are spiritual things going on. People really have souls. There really are angels. There really are forces that we don't see working in the world. Um, God and His servants, things are going on. Things are, are changing. Heavenly realities, both good and bad, acting in the world. But what one thing we can just take from this simply is that God is doing things in the world. Makes me think of Jesus where he talks about the Spirit moving. The Spirit is like the wind. You see it coming, and you don't know where it's going or where it came from, but you hear the sound of it. God's doing these things, invisible things, in people's hearts, in the world, in people's lives. And there's just things we don't know about. Why are you waiting? There's times where, and many times, we don't know. But that doesn't mean God's not doing something. There's invisible things going on. It's This is like what we talked about. See how much kind of is wrapped up in waiting? Like God's sovereignty, our, us not being in control, and also us not knowing the future? Like, Isn't there many times in your life when you have wished something would come faster and then looking back, aren't you glad it didn't? Because God actually knows more than we know. God actually knows everything. There's things we don't know, and there's one who does know. And he's the one that's in control of God. And that's a good thing. Yeah, it's a big deal. It would be a wonderful thing if we could get to the place where we just say, I don't know, and that's okay. There's a lot of things that we need to say that on, right? I don't know. I don't know, but God knows, and I can trust Him. I don't know. It's kind of interesting going back to the thing we originally talked about at the beginning, you know, some things in the Bible being big things and little things, things we emphasize. A lot of times it's the things we don't know that get emphasized a lot, or it's like, the Bible barely talks about it just a little bit, and then it becomes this thing we focus on. It's like, well, I really want to know this, and the Bible just hints at it or, or skirts around it. Um, there's just things we don't know and get to the place where that's not for me to know. But let's kind of wrap this up. What do we do with all this? Well, we want to have faith in the waiting. Faith. We want to trust God. Trust God that there's things going on that we don't know about, that He knows things we don't know, that he's in control. And that's good. Aren't you glad that the world's not on your shoulders? (laughs) I'm glad it's not on my shoulders. I'm glad it's not on your shoulders. I'm glad it's on God's shoulders. We want to have faith in the waiting. There's a lot of opportunities to wait in our life for God and to, to not be in control and to trust that God is, and that's okay. I'll read you a couple of verses here from the Psalms. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not greatly be shaken. We're waiting on God. Does that mean it's not difficult? Does that mean waiting is always easy? No, he says right after that. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. So he's talking about all these hard things. (laughs) He's waiting through hard things. And then he has to remind himself, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. 
He is my only rock, my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. And then he says, Trust in Him at all time, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. So here we have in Revelation and in this psalm a picture of what's really going on in the world behind the scenes. We're not in control. Uh, we're not all-knowing. We do all that God has asked us to do, and then there's times where we wait. A lot of times where we wait. And that's okay. Is that going to be easy? No. What do we do? When it's hard, we pour out our heart before Him, and we even remind ourselves of truth. Right? Like He did here. He says, He's talking to His own soul. My own, oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. There's going to be times when it's hard to wait. And that's okay. It's hard. It was hard for David. What does he do, though, in those moments? He reminds himself, wait on God. Oh, my soul, he's my hope. My hope, your hope is should not be in you being in control all the time. Or your hope's going to fail. Your hope should not be that your schedule always works out. Because your hope's going to fail. Your hope should not be that you know everything. Because you don't. Where's our hope? Our hope is in God. Our hope is in God who commands angels, you know, that, that are mighty, that, you know, uh, a note on kind of the first century context here. The way this angel is described is actually more powerful and vast than the, actually the Roman gods. The Roman gods were much more human and weak than this particular angel. And so the implication is if God is commanding this angel who's so mighty and so glorious, how much more God? Right? God. We look to God who's in control, who is powerful, who is glorious. And we just remind ourselves, I'm not in control. I don't know everything. God is. He does. And I can trust Him. Faith. Not easy, but we continually remind ourselves of these things. I'll give you one more verse here from the Psalms. Psalm 40. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. There's a blessing when we're trusting in the Lord. We trust Him. We trust Him. Okay. I'm going to tie all these, try to tie all these threads together with an illustration. Uh, and get kind of tie all these ideas into one hopefully memorable thing. When we hear waiting, we've got what we first started saying is that waiting is active; it's not passive. And I'll give you an example. Imagine if I'll just use I'll just say this I'll say it's me. I need you to listen to me and do me a favor. Can and you said, sure, I'll do that. Okay, I need you to meet me downtown on the square tomorrow. I'm not sure exactly what time, uh, but will you be there around this time and just wait until I get there? Okay, sit on this bench and, and maybe I have something that I need you to give me. Maybe it's an envelope or maybe maybe watch my kids, something like that. And you're waiting and... It gets longer and longer and longer. 
the longer it gets, the harder it's going to be, right? You're actually going to be, have to be very actively waiting if it, the longer it gets, right? If it gets to be the sun's starting to go down and you thought, man, surely he would have been here two hours ago. It takes effort to not just leave, right? It's like a, very active to just, I'm going to continue, I'm going to wait. I'm going to keep waiting. I'm going to keep waiting. In that case, you know, I'm fallible. You might start thinking, well, maybe you forgot, you know, or maybe I got the date wrong or something. It's a, it's a full on illustration, but it reminds me of a time when Jess and I, we, uh, we, we actually did babysit some kids and, it just kept going on and on. And we were like three or four hours after we thought they were going to be picked up. And it was, we had to be actively waiting, you know. It's like it, it wasn't, we weren't given an exact time, but we kind of thought we had a general time. And it's hard in those moments to just, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be patient. <laughs> I'm not going to be frustrated. And we have to do that with God. But it's so much easier because God's not going to forget. God's not going to get in a car wreck and not be able to call or something like that. We can trust him. He knows. And so we're actively waiting. And the same feeling that you would get just sitting there like, surely they've got to be coming soon. We get that same feeling with God often, don't we? Surely he's going to answer this prayer soon. Surely he's going to come through on this soon. Surely this is going to be resolved soon. And you get that same kind of anxious feeling in your heart. What do we do? We actively wait. We turn to him and say, God, I'm hoping this is soon. I'm wanting this to be soon. But ultimately, I trust you. I trust you. And we place our faith in him because he knows. I'm not in control. I can't make this happen, but I can wait on God. I can trust you that you'll do what you said. We talk to our own souls and say, my soul, wait on God. Our hope's in him. Our hope's not in the timing. Our hope's not in being knowing what's going on. Our hope is in God. And we can wait. And I just hope this is a blessing to you and a help to you and just something you can, we can do and maybe help one another, remind one another as these things come up, husband to wife, friend to friend, there's an opportunity to have faith and wait. Not be passive. We do all the things we know God wants us to do and has commanded us to do. And then when we've done that, and as we're doing that, we're, we wait on Him and we trust Him. And rest. We have a lot of opportunities. Maybe the next time something like this happens, you just think, well, God's given me an opportunity to grow in this area, grow my faith by trusting him in the midst of difficulty and wait and have faith actively. Our faith is like a muscle. It, you know, we use it. As we use it, it grows stronger. And if we don't use it, it's weak. But we can grow in our faith. And this is an area where I hope it's a help to you and it's something that we face all the time. There's probably many things at each time in our life where we're waiting on God for something. One thing, two things, three or four things, and, and we can do it with faith. All right, why don't we pray together and then have our meal. Father, thank you that you're in control. Um, just confess this is an area where I struggle and need help and want to grow and want to be... Um, faith, faithfully waiting, um, confidently dependent on you, um, full of faith in who you are and your control. And so I just pray you'd help us all. Um, just can imagine 
just peace and that can come and just from looking to you and really having trust in you in the midst of these difficult things where we have to wait. Would you help us to have that? Would you fill us with peace? And um, would you make us really uh, okay with being dependent on you and fill us with confidence in you um, that you will do what you said, that you'll do what you know is right and best in the right time. We're looking to you for help and we're thankful for forgiveness. We're thankful that we can ask for forgiveness and be forgiven all the areas we fall short. And um, we do ask, Lord Jesus, would you come soon? We want, we do want you to return and put all things right. And on the other hand, we know that we can trust you with the right timing of that. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.